Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's Tuesday, March 21st. How do you prepare for the arrest of a president? We start here. As police sketch out protest plans, allies of former President Trump prepare their defense. President Trump announces he's running for re-election, and shazam, and oh, now we're going to pursue it. Trump has already reshaped the GOP. Well, now he's doing it through his potential indictment. Is it hot in here, or is it just the planet? We need to move at warp speed. The United Nations issues the final report of its kind before it could be too late. And a river runs through it for now. The Colorado River is perhaps the most litigated and carved up uh, water body in this country. As states rely on the Colorado River more than ever, the Supreme Court has some reservations. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. Very few people have the ability to shift a headline like Donald Trump. Former President Donald Trump making new headlines as he uses his social media platform to claim that his arrest is imminent. When the former president announced he was expecting to be arrested on Tuesday as part of a criminal investigation by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, for many, this set up kind of a new storyline. Right? Instead of asking whether the president committed a crime and paying to have an alleged affair covered up, which he denies, the new question posed was, would the president be indicted today or not. He wants to create the chaos and turmoil on his terms. This is another case of Donald Trump just trying to advance the interests of Donald Trump. But Trump, of course, is not in control of if or when the Manhattan DA presses charges on someone. It's not clear Trump even had any inside information to begin with. So the bigger question, much more important than what day could it happen, is whether it will happen at all. Will Trump become the first former president ever charged in criminal court? And how would this country react if he was? Well, yesterday, on their first day back at work since Trump predicted his own arrest, GOP lawmakers and even some police departments in certain cities gave us a hint of what this reaction could look like. ABC's chief Washington correspondent, Jonathan Carl, starts us off. John, first things first, the former president has not been indicted. (laughs) Among lawmakers, though... Is it kind of becoming a foregone conclusion that he will be? Well, there's certainly an expectation that he is likely to be indicted. It's not a certainty, though. Uh, You know, everything we've been told is is there's been no notification uh, given to Trump or to his lawyers. Mm. Uh, The only person saying uh, that Trump was going to be indicted today, today was the day, uh, he said, uh, was Donald Trump. He was the only person saying that. Uh, Certainly, uh, D.A. Bragg is not saying that. The grand jury appears to be wrapping it up. We know of no further witnesses. Uh, there was a you know, witness uh, yesterday. So I said, Michael, where did you get the $130,000? Is that Trump's money? No, it's not. Well, where did you get it? Did you take it out of your own account? No. Robert Costello, the, the Trump supporter who had been a lawyer at one point to Michael Cohen, saying that Michael Cohen doesn't really have any credibility. And, and he'd say, I want you guys to know, I will do whatever the F it takes I will never spend one day in jail. But look, uh, we, we, we really don't know. Well, and then he says he repped Cohen and Cohen says he didn't. But, John, 
like even with all the uncertainty, GOP lawmakers came out yesterday kind of pressuring the Manhattan DA, like asking for his materials. Like the Manhattan DA is not accountable to Congress at all, is he? This is a really strange thing, Brad. You have, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy was the first to come out and condemn the Manhattan DA. One of the reasons we won races in New York is based upon this DA of not protecting the citizens of New York. President Trump announces he's running for re-election, and shazam, no, now we're going to pursue it. Jim Jordan, you see those doing oversight in the House, uh, saying that they want to bring Bragg before Congress. And we want to know, the, 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 if were federal funds involved? Is, did this stem from, it sure looks like it grew out of the special counsel investigation, because those are the legislative concerns we have as, as Congress. This is a strange one, because Congress has oversight over federal agencies, uh, over the federal government. Uh, Congress uh, does not have oversight over... Uh, you know, a, a, a basically a local prosecutor. Now, that said, I mean, it's not unprecedented to see, um, you know, all kinds of people testify before Congress. But but this this is a strange one. I've never heard of a chairman of, of a congressional committee uh, say that they were going to you know demand the testimony of a local prosecutor. That, that's a new one on me. What's the beef among Republicans? What is the beef with the investigation in the first place? There was a lot of pressure that Trump put uh, and, and his allies, very strong <laughs> pressure on anybody thinking about running for president, come out and condemn this. This is wrong. This is a political prosecution. But he's calling for people to protest. Uh, is that irresponsible? Well, first, let me say I'm, I'm taken aback at the idea of indicting a former president of the United States. And one of the last of those potential Republican presidential candidates to come out and condemn it was Ron DeSantis. I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just I can't speak to that. He's not defending Donald Trump's behavior. He made a point of repeating the underlying allegation here several times as he was also criticizing Manhattan D.A. Porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. But the beef is, look, Alvin Bragg is a Democrat who got elected uh, Manhattan district attorney. He's a progressive uh, prosecutor. We're going to address our racial disparities. We're going to have one system of justice for all. He is, you know, moved in New York to do away with things such as cash bail. He's tried to uh, reclassify uh, certain felonies so as not to require uh, a prison time. So, you know, they, they, they portray him as a soft on crime prosecutor. We've watched crime in New York where people are afraid to walk the streets. Crime's happening every single day. Just tells you everything you need to know about the radical left in this country. Even people who aren't Republicans think this is a strange case to bring. So Republicans are really, at this point, almost entirely behind Trump in saying that this is not a, a case that should be prosecuted. And Bragg immediately put out the statement reminding everyone that Manhattan actually remains a very safe place by American standards. In fact, he says it's got better crime stats than Columbus, Ohio, which I'm sure he knows is Jim Jordan's backyard. John, even beyond Manhattan, even beyond like the D.C. Beltway, what kind of preparations are authorities making around the country? Because if this happens and GOP lawmakers are reacting like this, you'd imagine the protests from average Trump supporters would be swift. Yeah, we have no idea how big the protests will be. Bagger is not going anywhere. We saw what happened the last time Donald Trump said he was a victim and called on people to come out and protest on his behalf. That was January 6th. I mean, you could keep going after him and the outcomes are all going to be the same and it's only going to incite 
more people to come out and support. So you do see uh, the barricades going up in New York. You do see security preparations even down in Mar-a-Lago. So it's not just New York. I'm sure there's going to be uh, added security measures in Washington, D.C. as well. Again, we don't know. Is this going to be you know massive protests like what Trump is calling for, or will it be something less? I don't think people should protest this, no. And I, I think President Trump, if you talk to him, he doesn't believe that either. I mean, I thought it was interesting that even as Kevin McCarthy has taken a very hard line against the Manhattan district attorney, he is also telling people uh, that they shouldn't come out to protest. All right, Jonathan Carl there in Washington. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. Next up on Start Here, 2030 used to sound like a long way away. Doesn't seem as long when it's time to save the planet. We're back in a bit. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more, or I'd read a book, or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. We all know there are things in life you got to compromise on. Like when I want burritos, but my wife wants salad, the compromise is we get salads. But when it comes to your health, there should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor who doesn't take the time to really hear your health concerns or who's in a rush to end your appointments. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises because with ZocDoc, you got more options than you know. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Go to ZocDoc.com slash start here and download the ZocDoc app for free. Find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash start here. ZocDoc dot com slash start here. Whenever there's a big report about climate change in the world, there's this big scary deadline attached to it. The thinking goes, if we allow the Earth's temperature to rise 1.5 degrees Celsius by the year 2030, we will start seeing permanent damage that can never be solved. Our destruction will have an everlasting impact on Earth. That's 1.5 degrees by the year 2030. That's important. Because yesterday, the UN put out its latest report on climate change saying... This is the final report of its kind before the year 2030. So if that's the deadline, if that's the test, these are the final notes we get to cram with as a planet. ABC's chief meteorologist Ginger Z is here. She's also the managing editor for our climate unit. Ginger, I feel like there's a new UN report, a new conference, a new COP every year. Why was this one such a big deal globally? Because you said it best. This may just be the last time 
that we get this group of scientists together to give us this warning before we pass that warned spot of 1.5 degrees Celsius. So up until now, we've been talking about it and it has felt really far away. But now we have it, it's right in front of us. This is their last kind of clarion call. Uh, you know, Secretary General Antonio Guterres is often quoted because he always, I think at this point, has to use the thesaurus to get everybody's attention. Humanity is on thin ice and that ice is melting fast. But this time he says, we need a quantum leap in climate action to change course here. We need to move at warp speed. This report is a clarion call to massively fast-track climate efforts by every country and every sector and on every time frame. In short, our world needs climate action on all fronts, everything, everywhere, all at once. And so what was in this report specifically that got your attention? So here it's it's looking back at how much the global greenhouse gas emissions have increased. We know that from 2010 to 2019, they went up 12%. 1990, since 1990 to 2019, it was up 54%. We've kind of known we've on this been on this upward trajectory that is way too fast. And of course, that global greenhouse gas emissions going up means that temperature goes up. We see those two lines on every graph matching, and there's really not another variable that explains what's happening. So that's clear. All of these scientists have known that. What we also know to be clear is that if we make rapid change in those global greenhouse gas emissions, we will see decrease and curbing of that warming. And I think what really grabs me here is their emphasis on the increments, because every model has us going past 1.5. I, I don't know that it's possible to make that hairpin turn. Like that, that's almost baked in at this point. Correct. So what was really, I think, hopeful, I hope everyone sees this as hopeful, is 1.6 is a whole lot better than 1.7. 1.7 is a whole right. lot better than 1.8. Guys, we got to get moving because policy is going to be needed in every country across the world, both in developed countries that we hope can become net zero by 2030. Again, very difficult to, to ask them to do, but also in developing countries. So this isn't leaving anybody out. And Ginger, just so I'm clear, because again, 1.5 degrees Celsius does not sound like that big of a difference in air temperature. Right. Like I can't, I handle much bigger swings than that on a given day in New York. What would you actually see up close if that came true? So the most notable and the one that people have been at least paying the closest attention to is the natural disaster. Well, you know, if you can imagine uh, the entire population of New York State and Pennsylvania underwater, uh, imagine the entire northeast of the United States underwater. This is exactly what's happening in Pakistan. Take Pakistan, the deadly flooding there. $14.9 billion in damage. And now we know from the attribution to human-induced climate change that 50% of their five wettest days in that event was human-induced climate change. So half of it. That's huge to know that the every little piece of a degree that we start to go up, we are holding more water in some types of storms. We're making supercharged storms. Mm. A hurricane like Hurricane Ian would have always happened. That's part of Earth's cycle. That's part of what Earth is. But we are taking Hurricane Ian and making it 5, 10, 15, you know, depending on the storm, percent worse. And that's what this warming will continue to do. 1.6 does that less than 1.7. On top of that, there's something that's less sexy in the pictures, and that would be just heat in general. Climate refugees, you have changes in agriculture, 
water scarcity. It's not just this year. It's building up, you know, it's year after year. The, the, the rains are uh, less and that people have less and less uh, uh, food to eat. If a baby's born in the year 2020, in an extreme high emission scenario where we go up to four degrees Celsius by the end of this century, that baby's 70 years old and widespread food and water scarcity is a thing. And it looks, if you look at the graphics, the turn we need to make is hairpin. Like we need to make one that you feel like you're in the mountains just on the edge there to, to really get down to 1.5. There's a two scenario that looks a little more doable. And then the path we're on right now is well into the threes and fours. All right. Ginger Z from our climate unit pouring through all this. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's how climate change plays out globally. But on the local level, it feels even more dire, perhaps, not less. You don't have access to water. You have to haul water. And our our water places up there, there's like long lines. Because in more and more states, you heard Ginger talk about droughts. Well, high temperatures and droughts are leading to questions over who even has rights over the local water supply. That came to a head yesterday at the U.S. Supreme Court. So let's go to ABC senior Washington reporter Devin Dwyer, who was in the room as the justices heard this case. Devin, the Colorado River, right? One of our biggest, most important rivers. That vital resource, Brad, as Ginger had alluded to there, increasingly under strain. It serves 40 million Americans across the West and has basically been spoken for already by a labyrinth of agreements in court and through special masters over the years. The worsening drought crisis across the West is not just bad for business and farms. It's an existential threat to our communities and to our livelihoods. The Colorado River is perhaps the most litigated and carved up uh, water body in this country. Enter the Navajo Nation, uh, you know, one of the country's largest Native American tribes whose reservation, the largest reservation in the country, sits uh, in Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. The United States agrees that on paper, the nation has treaty rights to the water its people need. We're here because the United States says it doesn't have to do anything to secure the water it promised. They're fighting for a greater slice of that water, and that could upend uh, the delicate balance of agreements that has been uh, worked out over the years. Mm. Uh, And so they were in the Supreme Court yesterday uh, asking the justices to force the government to help them get a bigger slice. Uh, The tribe has alleged that a 170-year-old treaty, a treaty of 1868, which created the reservation, implicitly uh, put a duty on the government to help them have water to live there. Both parties understood that in promising the Navajos their land, the United States was also promising them the water it needed to sustain life in the arid Southwest. The treaty doesn't use the word water, but says uh, to ha- you know they, the government has agreed to help them have a permanent home, one where they can farm and subsist. Uh, and yesterday they told the justices, well, that inherently means we got to have some access to water and the government has to help provide it. The whole point of the treaty was to allow the Navajo Nation to return to their ancestral homeland where they could support themselves. Of course, the government, Brad, says we never explicitly ag- agreed to provide water, much less any specific amount of water. Uh, and while we care about you and want to help you and have spent billions of dollars over the years, uh, this claim simply uh, is without merit. And so the justices uh, are going to have to weigh that. And I got to say, there's a lot of love for the tribe uh, yesterday, Brad. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out, Devin, what would make the difference here? Would it matter, like, who was here first? Because then you'd imagine, like, obviously the Navajo win. Who is the most aggrieved, the Navajo win? Or are you going by the most 
number of Americans impacted? Because then you could imagine maybe that changes the equation. That's certainly one way to frame the debate. And we saw that yesterday. The tribe says, listen, we were here first. We get first dibs. And I'm sorry you have these other agreements, but <laughs> you got to honor your promises um, You know that the government made. On the other hand, you had uh, a group of states. You had the federal government, the Biden administration saying, listen, this is a very carefully calibrated set of agreements that has been uh, sorted out for a really long time. All of these states are dependent upon it. And now if you're going to inject this tribe's new request uh, into that game and, you know, it's a zero sum, you know, game, Mm. some of that water will be taken away from other people. And that really upsets the apple cart uh, to mix metaphors there. But they, um, you know, the justices were very sympathetic. Neil Gorsuch, uh, conservative uh, whose roots are back in Colorado in the West. There are provisions in the treaty with respect to agricultural agriculture, a promise that this will be a permanent home and that there will be an opportunity for raising animals, right? Correct. Is it possible to have a permanent home, farm, and raise animals without water? No. And this, the fact that the government needs to uphold its promise. On the other hand, you had someone like Justice Samuel Alito, uh, who was very concerned about the impact uh, of allowing a claim of this nature to go forward. Do you think that... uh, you have the right to take out from that water source whatever quantity of water is necessary to meet the standard of a livable permanent homeland, regardless of the needs of others who are drawing water from the same water source. At the end of the day, Brad, the tribe simply repeated, they have one in three households on that reservation don't have running water. Wow. And they say that's just, a, it is a travesty. It's one of the poorest uh, reservations in the country. Very simple subsistence. Of course, it's hot. It's arid. Uh, and they say, listen, we were forced onto this land with the promise that we could live here. Uh, and the government needs to step up and do more to help us. It's interesting, too, because if Gorsuch and Alito are on opposite sides here, that means it's not even necessarily a right versus left thing, like liberal conservative, but rather cutting across the Supreme Court. No decision yet, though. We should stress that. That won't come for many weeks. So this is all speculation. Devin Dwyer, really interesting and high stakes on a very human level. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. All right, one more quick break. When we come back, how much do people love their e-bikes? Well, sparks are flying. One last thing is next. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And one last thing. They're quickly becoming the fastest growing way for Americans to get around town. They're also starting more and more fires. We will ensure that this global new way of moving about is done in a safe manner. That's why yesterday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams signed legislation putting new restrictions on electric bikes. 
As much as we talk about electric cars in the U.S., they don't even come close to the surging popularity of e-bikes. In 2018, about a quarter million e-bikes were sold in the U.S. By 2021, the number was estimated at nearly a million, almost a four-time increase. A big part of that is probably the pandemic taking hold, people wanting to get outside without paying an arm and a leg for gas. And for pennies, you fill up your proverbial tank and you can go 45, 50 miles on a charge get to work, go to school, go wherever you want. But this is also part of a larger trend called micromobility, which is making it easier and easier for a single person to travel long distances more easily. In China, there are more e-bikes than cars right now, electric or not. Here in the States, they're big in urban areas where restaurants have been able to expand delivery reach, but they're also popular among suburbanites who describe e-bikes as just plain fun. You can fold it up, put it in your car, so if you got a small, compact car, these things will go ahead and go with you anywhere you go. But with this explosion in e-bikes have come, well, explosions in e-bikes. A single battery caused all of this damage uh, to the supermarket as well as the laundromat as well as homes. New York City has seen several deadly fires in just the last year attributable to e-bikes batteries spontaneously bursting into flames. Some buildings have responded by banning the bikes and their batteries from being stored indoors, which struck some people as classist, right? Teslas and iPhones use lithium-ion batteries too. No one's banning them. When some leaders brought up the inherent dangers of gas stoves, people almost revolted, but somehow immigrant delivery guys who rely on these batteries had to keep them outside. What began to emerge, though, was a realization that some e-bike batteries are catching fire more often than others. If a battery is assembled in a factory with lots of dust or from recycled parts, it's more likely to ignite. The rise of e-bikes had given way to a lot of DIY battery maintenance shops who cobble together parts, which this law in New York now largely outlaws. Batteries have to be certified. Trade groups like this plan, although some workers' groups worry that for people who need these bikes for a living, costs will continue to climb higher and higher uphill. If you know me well, you know I bike literally all over New York, good old-fashioned pedals, so I used to be anti-e-bike until... I rode one to work, and I wasn't, like, absolutely disgusting sweaty for once. Now it's just a question of whether e-bikes can, like, find a home in a place that's not in car traffic or on sidewalks, because, like, you're getting the stink eye from everyone. More on all these stories at abcnews.com or the ABC News app. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.